0: Yankees Files Podcast. We are back. I'm Will Harris. You're Alec Whipple. And the rest of you just watched the greatest baseball team in the world. No, I'm not talking about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish who just took down Tennessee to move on to Omaha in the College World Series. I, of course, am talking about the New York Yankees who are 44 and 16. That is tied for uh, the third best start in Yankees history. And all three prior Yankees teams that won at least 44 of their first 60 games won the World Series. Additionally, the this Yankees team is the fourth team in the divisional era since 1969 to win at least 44 of their first 60 games. Uh, of those other four, so they're the fifth team, of those other four, uh, you have... Three that won the World Series, including the 98 Yankees, and one that lost to the Yankees in the playoffs. So, really, going 44-16 and bodes very, very, very well for teams as far as their ultimate level of success, despite what at Sox South would have you believe. Whipple, um... You know, Aaron Judge is the best hitter on the planet. The Yankees have the best pitching staff in the world. Uh, things got so good today that even Kyle Higashioka got in on the fun. Uh, he is WRC plus on the years up to 44, uh, a whopping 44. Um, just, just tell me, now that we're 60 games into the season... Uh, just tell me how you're feeling about this team.
1: Uh, you expect me to believe this team is good when they lost more games this week than they did last week? That's ye- week over Ooh. week over week decline. Uh, I'm sensing a trend, and if they lose two games this week, I think it's time to put the panic button, hit the panic button hard. I think
0: we may have to sound the alarm. No,
1: it was it was quite a week. Um, I think people were a little bit uh, <laughs> rattled when the pitching. Took a step back in Minnesota, and Garrett Cole gave up seven runs. But this team shows why it's just on another level as, you know, guys like Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks uh, having games of their best games of the season at the opportune moments. And then this weekend against Chicago, you know, Friday's game was exciting. Saturday's and Sunday's games were just Smackdowns. I They won it every single way this week. They won pitching duels. They won slugfest. They won back and forth, comeback, weird Minnesota games called by Ryan Rucco. Um, there's really nothing this team can't do. And I feel like every time they lose one single game, we start thinking, oh, you know, what if the sky is falling? But they've lost so few games. I almost feel like the fact that they've lost so few games is making people overreact to whenever they lose an additional game and making everyone think that things might be getting worse. So in a weird way, their success is actually, you know, probably increasing how bad these losses might feel. But like in the macro sense, I mean, this team is just cruising. It's it's absurd. We talk about it every week, and it still is hard to believe just how good they are compared to Yankees teams, compared to the league, compared to major league history. I mean, this is, this is now, you know... We're, it's still only June. It's still relatively early, but the sample sizes aren't so small. And this team is starting to fight. They're fighting a battle against the rest of the AL East, but they're also fighting a battle against historical baseball teams. I mean, it's just incredible.
0: Yeah. I mean, they have the best run differential in the league, the best record in the league, the most home runs in the league, the best ERA in the league, the most war from pitchers in the league. They have the best player in the league. Um, I mean, it's it's really unbelievable. They're only the 16th team in the history of baseball to win at least, um, at least 44 of their first 60 games. It was most recently done by those 2001 Mariners, so we're seeing something that we haven't seen in over two decades. And uh, of those prior 15 teams to win at least 44 of their first 60 games, you have 11 World Series champions uh three additional pennant winners and those mariners who lost to the yankees in the playoffs. So it it really is, you know, this is this is a team that is among the best historically. Um this this is an unprecedented level of success in recent years and people should start paying attention to how the yankees rank um you know, among all-time greats for now. And you know, they they had a four and five stretch recently like the Yankees are not immune to slumping. I think it was even uh, uh a five and six stretch you know that that's not great by any means by this team's standards uh and yet here they are with uh, a historically good record so you know Whipple, I think um I would call this the team of our dreams, but Your baseball dreams aren't exactly about the best possible things that could happen. Uh, I know our Twitter followers have seen a few screenshots of texts you've sent me about unusual baseball dreams you've had. Um, This feels like kind of the baseball dreams that I have this season. But uh, why don't you let our listeners in on what it's like when you actually dream about baseball?
1: Yeah, so as has been shared a few times on Twitter, uh, uh, for some reason, I dream about baseball a lot. And, you know, the reason is probably that baseball preoccupies most of my time as it, you know, outside of work and as it does for probably many of the people listening to it. We're all, you know, this is a safe space. We're all sharing, uh, you know, we're sharing our intimate hopes and dreams and fears. And they all pretty much relate to how this Yankees team is going to do this year. But in the last few years, I, I just started noticing that some weird dreams were popping up. And what really spurred this was the most recent dream. And, you know, I, I'd like to um, you, just take you through that dream. And as Will said, you know, I share this with my, my intimate friends over text, those who won't make fun of me for these dreams. But in this particular one, it was uh, the Yankees Orioles World Series that I think everyone, you know, didn't know that was possible. But, in baseball dreamland, it is possible. So I dreamt that Will and I were at Camden Yards, and we were watching the Yankees and the Orioles in the World Series. And a lot of my dreams, for some reason, probably not for some reason, they take place when the Yankees are very close to winning the World Series. So it's always like a, a recurring theme here. But in this one, the Yankees were up 8-3 to three in the ninth inning, and uh, the, their, the lead was cut in, um, in half by a Gary Sanchez home run. For the Orioles, so a three-run Gary Sanchez home run for the Orioles, and another topic of conversation on this podcast, my being a curse. We've we've discussed it a lot on Twitter, but in the in the dream world, you know, in, in real life I push back. In the dream world, I had to accept the fact that something about me was just causing this team to potentially blow their opportunity to beat the Orioles and win the World Series at Camden Yards as so many of us have anticipated so I voluntarily left the stadium in the ninth inning of a World Series clinching game because of my status as a curse so you know if this is predictive I I, you know I hope that maybe I'll get a chance to go to World Series game this year and if I need to leave the game then you know I might just have to do that this might be a sign of what has to come to to lose the battle but to win the war for all Yankees fans so that's the one that happened most recently but it really brings me back to an all-timer and this one came last year when the Yankees got off to a rough start so things were not good in Yankees land and I was you know we're starting our podcast and I was just so in depth thinking about this team and it carried over into my dreams so This Pacific Dream, the Yankees were playing the Pirates, uh, another storied matchup. And during the game, I forget who hit it, but Hicks let a ball get by him to the wall. I think multiple runs scored. So it kind of typical Aaron Hicks. uh, I kind of saw that one coming, I guess, even though he was injured at the time. um, Or he had just gone down with his injury. And, um, you know, at that point, the classic uh, mid-game trade occurred between the teams that were playing. So Hicks... Uh, Aaron Judge and Troy Tulowitzki, who was somehow still on the Yankees despite having retired two years prior, were called off the field, uh, put on their uh, Buccos uh, gold uniforms, and white and gold. Wait, they were
0: wearing the gold uniforms? Yeah,
1: they weren't wearing the road uniforms.
0: (laughs) This is awesome. This only gets better. They trotted
1: back on the field. And for this game, I had tickets right behind home plate. So I was right there. I was wearing my Garrett Cole jersey, completely unrelated to anything going on in the dream. but you know, I was cheering and all of a sudden my jaw dropped when Aaron judge ran out to play right field for the pirates during the game, right in front of me. I'm pretty sure if this happened in real life, I mean, it wouldn't happen, but if it did, I think Yankee stadium would be wiped off the face of the map. It would just cease to exist. There is no way that the fans would be able to withstand this. Um, I woke up in a cold sweat and I said, you know, I hope this team is better in in a year. So I don't have to go through these same dreams again. And lo and behold, here we are, but the dreams continue. And, uh, I'll have to keep everyone updated. If any more come
0: you, you absolutely will. And Whipple, I, I like something that you alluded to, but I think we're going to need a firmer commitment. Um, you basically said that you might leave if you were attending game seven of the world series. And it appeared that you had cursed the Yankees and it, Seemed that if you left, their fortunes would change. I I know that this is a hard thing to ask you to do, but I think we need you right here, right now, right here, right now, to commit to leaving if you appear to have cursed the Yankees in a potential world series clinching game
1: i can't commit to leaving but i will i'll pull a jerry west from winning time and and storm around the great hall and the the you know the halls of yankee stadium and maybe you know if i can if i can help the yankees in that way of taking myself off the field going into some back room and then if if all else fails i probably will have to leave but you know i'll i'll do what i can to keep myself at the ballpark for my own selfish reasons but um, i'm not sure that you know i i think if it comes down to it i might have to walk out and just stroll the streets of the bronx
0: that might be what's best for this team and i'm glad yeah. that you understand if, that
1: if we are in that scenario in october i i don't know what i would do i think that would i would have a nervous breakdown and it would probably be the most stressful event of my life and i say this as someone who is heading to law school in two months yeah that's uh <laughs> i think we could leave it at that i
0: look i'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you navigate that. But this is, um this is, I, I sincerely this is on- hope that we are in a so situation.
1: This is an ongoing struggle and will have to be monitored. Um my my own destructive powers might have to be tempered for the good of the team.
0: And I hope that they will be tempered. Whipple, uh, as we get into, you know, the week that was and uh the quality of this team, I'd just like you to, if you would Take a stab at ranking the following players by WRC plus: uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Joey Gallo, Aaron Hicks.
1: I'm gonna say Gallo first. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna say Gallo first, Hicks second, Falefa, Kiner-Falefa third, and I. Partly yeah, because right. I, I knew I know that, you know, whenever Falefa is brought to the conversation, I know where that's going. But Gallo has had a good week. I am I'm seeing improvement from Gallo that we all love.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 terrific. Joey Gallo and, you know, over his last few games has been phenomenal. Uh, he is up to a 92 WRC plus, which is absolutely nothing special. But if you consider that, you know, in his first, you know, 10, 15 games of the season, it was really, really down in the dumps. Uh you know, we're, we're seeing improvement. Uh, he is slugging, finally. He had a couple home runs in that phenomenal game in Minnesota that we'll talk about. He had uh, a double today. He is really, you know, starting to come around a little bit. You know, he was, what, one for three with two walks today? I'll take that. That's a <laughs> it's a 258 WRC plus out of him. Uh, he would be the greatest hitter of all time if he could do that. So, look... Um, there's no question that across the board those guys have underachieved. Uh, there's no question also that with a healthy Jose Trevino starting at catcher, the most serious area of need for the New York Yankees is shortstop. There's there's just no question about it. Uh, Isaiah Coner Falefa is really bad. But look, the Yankees just went five and one. They took two out of three from a division leader on the road, uh, and they won those games in two very different ways. So. Whipple the Yankees got to Minnesota and immediately made the twins look like the twins um you know <laughs> in the in the first inning of the first game uh the Yankees started to tee off as they do when they're normally uh, at target field. So D.J. LeMahieu singled, uh, Aaron Judge homered, Giancarlo Stanton homered later in the inning, uh, and it looked like the Yankees were kind of going to cruise. Um, you know, they were up 3 nothing before the Twins had even come to bat. Jamison Tyone was not quite as sharp as uh, he'd been over most of the year. Uh, and let the twins cut the deficit to three to two. Uh, the Yankees then started to score some more. It was four to two, then four to three, then five to three, then five to four. You know, it was it was much more back and forth than it should have been until the seventh inning. The twins brought in Tyler Duffy, who was one of their better relievers uh the Yankees got some traffic on the bases thanks to uh, a single by LeMahieu and then an intentional walk to the best hitter on the planet Aaron Judge which seemed like a good idea until Anthony Rizzo went yard and broke the game open uh putting the Yankees up eight to four the Yankees would tack on some insurance runs later and ultimately win that game 10 to 4 they got thoroughly destroyed in the next game um There's no other way to say it. Uh, It looked for a little bit like it was going to be competitive. Nestor was keeping them in the game just well enough. Uh, They even, uh, you know, they were down 2-1 at one point. It kind of seemed like they might be uh, coming back. And then things really fell apart for Nestor with home runs by Ryan Jeffers, Byron Buxton, uh, and then the bullpen Clark Schmidt and Manny Ben Willow specifically were not able to hold the twins and the Yankees lost eight to one. And then we got to the wildest game of the year so far, I would say Uh, the last game in Minnesota with that Ryan Rucco target field magic. And um, had a game ever started worse? I mean, the Yankees went up one, nothing in the top of the first, which was fine. Uh, But Garrett Cole promptly gave up back-to-back-to-back home runs to Luis Arise, Byron Buxton, and Carlos Correa in the bottom of the first. What was your reaction when he did that?
1: <laughs> My reaction was people are going to get mad at Garrett Cole again. And, you know, for good reason for this game. I mean, he was pretty terrible. Like, that's – it's not – you know, I'm a Garrett Cole defender, but that's not a start you can defend. Um, And it really didn't feel like a game that, you know, it felt like, okay, this is like the other – shoes coming down to drop this is what we get for basically being perfect through the Anaheim and um, the Detroit series but the fact that you know they were able to pick up Cole like that is such a credit to this offense and I just love the way that they did it I mean with Hicks and Gallo hitting three home runs guys who have struggled all year it shows how circular this lineup can be Um, and we've talked about the holes in this lineup but the holes in this lineup partly caused by Kyle Higashioka, but then partly caused by Hicks and Gallo, who can play a lot better than they are. We saw, in the last few weeks, we've seen the potential when these guys play well. I mean, we were just talking about Gallo and IKF and Hicks. And while IKF, you know, has a very empty stat line, Gallo, the shape of his production, I feel like, is something that we've alluded to. But, you know, he's going to strike out three times. But if he hits two home runs, he's the greatest player who's ever lived. And while he's not hitting two home runs every game, he has the potential to do that. And, you know, in a game like this, basically almost single handedly bring the Yankees back into it. And it was just such a fun game to watch to see them come back like that to pick up Cole, who, you know, has the worst ERA on this staff. But is, you know, that's more a credit to the staff than a knock on him. He just had a rough start. And this, you know, Hicks and Gallo were decided, they decided to be good. And we love when the worst guys on the team decide to be good in a game that they're really needed in. So just a fun series in Minnesota. You realize how good the twins offense is. I mean, they beat the Rays two out of three this weekend and they were crushing the Yankees pitching and to still win two out of three games. um, Something that I don't think Yankees teams in the past few years have done. I mean, just let's think back to 2019, that series against the twins, probably the signature wild Minnesota Ryan Rucco game. That was the only game that series the Yankees won, and it really took a superhero effort by the offense to outscore the pitching staff. So usually, when Minnesota beats up on the Yankees, um, that's bad news. You know, when the offense beats up in Target Field, that's bad news for the Yankees. They've historically crushed Minnesota, but um, just you know, the the offense is not something to mess around with. And it's good that they were able to still win the series.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's incredibly impressive that. After you know, I think we can probably call that the worst start from Garrett Cole that we've ever seen. He did a bunch of terrible things that he's never done before. The Yankees, who were down seven to three, uh, were able to come back and win. It was their first time coming back from a deficit of four runs or more, uh, and winning a game all year, I believe. Um, and it was, uh, <laughs> it really was great. Like, I think. One thing I forgot about that game is that Joey Gallo and DJ LeMahieu hit back-to-back home runs because Gallo hit his off Bundy, and then they brought in Jarrell Cotton, who promptly gave up the home run to LeMahieu. but the pitching change made me forget that those were back-to-back home runs. So uh, the Yankees had a little consecutive home run action of their own. Then, of course, Aaron Hicks hits a game-tying two-run home run, you know, who, who would have seen that coming? He, it was only his second home run of the year. Um, and then the Yankees did their, you know, run manufacturing uh, later in the game. You know, they had, of course, Judge doubled. That wall was about, what, four inches too high? Otherwise, he would have had a home run of his own. Uh, Rizzo scored him. Donaldson singled, and this was all off Duran who was a phenomenal pitcher and really didn't allow much hard contact like Rizzo went the other way. Then Donaldson went the other way. Um, Donaldson stole a base, which was, you know, kind of weird of him. Glaber hit a routine ground ball that uh, the twins then committed an error on and then Aaron Hicks uh, singled again and the Yankees scored another run and they would not relinquish that lead. Um, it's just, it's really impressive to me that the Yankees were able to pick up Garrett Cole. I think the message that that sends in the clubhouse and the message that it sends to Garrett Cole and the confidence that it gives all those guys is huge. Um, but also like the Yankees were down big against a first place team uh on the road and they came back and won they came back and won the series and I think that's really really impressive especially after getting crushed the day before and the way the game started they could have easily just rolled over and that's probably what a lot of recent Yankees teams would have done and this one didn't uh they then rolled right into the Mm -hmm. series against Chicago winning a pitcher's duel in 13 innings on Friday night thanks to Jose Trevino all they had to do was pinch hit for Kyle Higashioka one time and they won the game what a surprise uh, and then just two absolute drubbings of the Cubs, uh, an eight-run win on Saturday followed up by a 14-run win today, which is just incredible. Um, this team, you know, play, played a close game and then just decided close games are out of style and uh, started hitting all the home runs and uh, scoring all the runs and, it's just incredible that they uh, <laughs> what they outscored the Cubs after that. Uh, after the Cubs tried to flame them on Twitter with the Christopher Morel catch against Stanton, they outscored the Cubs. What, like twenty five to four? Was it
1: 20, 26, 26 to, four. to four? But the funny thing was, it was wasn't even that good of a catch. I was like, was this really worthy of a tweet? It's a great point. Like it was point. okay. That's a great. Like he was. It was wasn't fine. a robbery.
0: He was at the wall. It seemed no. like he didn't quite know where the wall was, which made it look more impressive. But like that, that ball wasn't going to be gone. So I guess they were right that Yankees fans tend to think long fly balls by Giancarlo Stanton are home runs. Um, and uh, Stanton responded then uh, later by hitting the what like the fifth hardest home run in Statcast history off the facing of the second deck. That was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. That thing was launched. I mean, just really impressive home runs this weekend. I mean, we say it every time these, the Yankees hit balls harder than everyone else. I mean, Aaron judge and Stanton are lapping the field in barrels this year, but it doesn't make it any less cool to see it over and over again.
0: Yeah. Next time someone tells you that, uh, like home runs aren't important or exit velocity and barrels don't matter or anything like that. Uh, Remind them that the Yankees have 14 more home runs than the next best team and are slugging 10 points higher than the next best team, and they're also the best team in baseball. I I would just put that out there.
1: Yeah, and I guess, you know, the the offense is going so well that everybody's playing well. I mean, there's not any major holes right now, but I think it's just cool to look at some of the guys that are making this happen in this recent stretch. Going back to Gallo, since they moved him primarily to right field, and really since the Anaheim series, he has... And over 900 OPS. Um, you know, Rizzo's found it in June again after having a rough May. I mean, Glaber Torres right now is, I think, third on the Yankees in war. And his, his OPS is seven, 793 before today's game. Obviously, he didn't play in today's game. But, I mean, he's got more home runs in the last two years combined. Like, this is just all the things that we talked about preseason. You know, Rizzo needing to play as well as, you know, Freeman or Olson who— he is. You know, Freeman has five home runs and Olsen and Rizzo's uh OPS plus WRCF plus is about the same. And, you know, Torres needing to bounce back. He's done that in such a big way. Uh, Lemay who needing to bounce back. While he's had a bit of a recent slump, he's still definitely playing better than he did last year with more slugging. It's just really cool to see all these things that, you know, we knew that were possibilities and we were really rooting for. Um the the most important parts of this team I think were the you know as we said those pieces last year that were either brought in or were you know had declined and needed to bounce back and it hasn't been true of everyone I mean Aaron Hicks has not had a good year objectively but I think LeMahieu Torres and you know LeMahieu and Torres I guess specifically in my mind to see them play the way they have this year is so cool and this weekend Torres just had had a weekend he had a weekend
0: yeah I think uh, LeMahieu, Torres, and Rizzo being as good as they've been has been really important to this team because, like, what's what's crazy is, you know, with with today's win, uh, I know the Blue Jays and Rays also won. Uh, the Yankees going into the off day tomorrow have a nine and a half or an eight and a half game lead on Toronto and a nine game lead on Tampa Bay. They have, at present, a 12-and-a-half game lead on Boston, which is awesome. But, like, Aaron Judge has been the best player in baseball. The Yankees have not needed Aaron Judge to be the best player in baseball to be a first-place team. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton has hit, you know, pretty well, but certainly not at his ceiling. The Yankees have hardly needed him to do that, to be a first-place team. I think the the... Steady contributions, um, especially with Rizzo returning to form uh, this month from Rizzo, Torres, and LeMahieu have been really, really key to this team. Now, I'm not mad at all that Aaron Hicks is getting hotter, Joey Gallo is getting hotter, that Aaron Judge is continuing to play at an MVP level, that, um, you know, Jose Trevino is a revelation. All those things are great, but I think, you know, when you look at what specifically changed from last year. You know, the Yankees got Rizzo and he was hot for a little bit, and then he was pretty cold. Glaber Torres was terrible last year. DJ LeMahieu comparatively was awful last year. And, you know, those guys get a ton of plate appearances. You can hide Joey Gallo if you have to. You can hide Aaron Hicks if you have to. We've seen the Yankees do it. You can hide Kyle Higashioka. They do it all the time. Um, Those guys that play positions that you know, there's where there's not a ton of depth. Those guys that are a little bit versatile, those guys who you're going to see out there every day. They need to be good, and it's been uh, it's been great to see them succeeding this year. But Whipple, we've almost buried the lead with this team. This is an elite run prevention group. Uh, the Yankees have allowed 180 runs this year, and those 180 runs allowed are 23 fewer than uh, the team with the next fewest runs allowed. The Dodgers have allowed 203. The Astros have allowed 205. Both those teams have also played 60 games. Uh, the Yankees have the lowest ERA in the league. They have the second lowest ERA by starters in the league, thanks to Garrett Cole, basically. Otherwise, they'd have the lowest. Um, their bullpen's been phenomenal in spite of significant injuries. Uh, you know, And really, this team is only going to get better. Like, I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm not a huge Domingo Herman believer, but um, Domingo Herman seems like he's probably a better bullpen option than, like, you know, some of the David McKays and Ron Marinaccios, although Marinaccio was great the other night that we've seen. Um, I'm a Zach Britton believer. I'm a Jonathan Loisega believer. They're getting those guys back, and they have the best starting staff in baseball as far as I'm concerned. I mean, nobody has this depth. Nobody is getting this length from all their starters. It's really incredible. And I'm very excited that going into a week when they're going to face the Rays and the Blue Jays, they got a good start from Tyone in a blowout where they were able to just hand the ball to Banuelos, uh, to finish things off, and they are following it up with an off day, this staff is going to be as good as it can possibly be and as rested as it can possibly be as they go into these couple series against division rivals.
1: And if you think they're too good, Aroldis Chapman will be back eventually, so that'll probably level the playing field a little bit.
0: Um, that's a great point
1: no but it's just yeah i mean we totally bury the lead all we talk about is the offense sometimes i feel like if you had to go back if there's some loyal listener who wants to catalog the percentage of time we talk about hitting versus pitching uh i would say it's probably at least 60 40 hitting probably more just because the hitting has been i'd be shocked the if question. it's not more than that it has to be more i mean the hitting has been the question over the last year and a half you know is it going to get better how does it improve even when this team is good the hitting is sometimes a question mark and when we talk about the pitching it's mostly to praise the pitchers anyway but you know there's not really much more else to do when you're looking at an ER or a staff five guys you know with Garrett Cole one of the best pitchers in baseball who has the worst ERA and it's every single pitcher brings something to the table I mean you look at like You know, Tyone doesn't walk anyone. Montgomery is preventing runs at an elite level. Severino is just incredible. You know, he's striking out back-to-back games of 10-plus guys. Garrett Cole almost threw, you know, a perfect game the other day. And then you have Nestor Cortez, who's the best one of them all. As I said on Twitter, you could – there's so many tweets that are like, the Yankee staff leads in X, Y, Z. And then all – like, every single tweet is, like, different stats. I mean, that's how good this team is. And it's the culmination of – the Matt Blake, you know, experiment, the Matt Blake era. We've talked about it ad nauseum. What he's done for this staff, um, but it's just taken a few years. But this is this is Matt Blake's, yeah. These are Matt Blake's Yankees. Like he is single handedly transformed this pitching staff into an elite run prevention unit. And the one concern that I have is, you know, some of these guys haven't thrown innings in a while. Cortez has not been built up to a full workload. Uh, Severino has missed time, you know, guys have their injury concerns, but they have such a good division lead that, you know, as long as they don't utterly collapse, um, they're going to be able to play a lot of games towards the end of the summer, definitely in September that hopefully, you know, they can rest assured of a of spot that, you know, they're happy with in the top two of the American league and they can scale back on some guys, you know, give some guys extra rest, use a Herman, pick up a, Another, you know, not Andrew Heaney, but an Andrew Heaney type who hopefully might pitch better than Andrew I Heaney. I hope they
0: don't get any Andrew Heaney types.
1: The depth arm, a Jaime Garcia, you know, if you want to take Heaney and your negative opinions of him out of the equation to just mm-hmm. stagger these guys workload and, you know, playing meaningful September games. I mean, we saw how stressful the end of the season was last year where they had to go to Boston and Toronto and every game was a must win. And at this point, you know, if. The trajectory continues, and they can keep playing at not even this level, at somewhat, you know, of a of decent level because they have built this big lead. They can avoid that kind of September and get these guys rest. I mean, we're already we see it in small areas. Like I just noticed this week, um, Cole was lined up to start Wednesday and Cortez on Tuesday, and they got flipped to give Cortez an extra day. And those small mm-hmm. things, you know, the. The Yankees will do that. They might skip a start. They might just try to keep give these guys an extra day where they can and they have have ev- all the, you know, the every right to because no game is must win. I mean, they're playing Tampa and Toronto this week and they could get swept. They could go 0 and 6 this week and still be in a very good division divisional spot. I mean, hopefully it doesn't happen, but um they they have that luxury of having built that lead for themselves so the pitching staff has been elite and because the pitching staff has been elite the pitching staff will get to benefit hopefully in the dog days of the season so I'm not even worried about that and at this point as I've said before I just trust that whatever reliever they plug in is going to be electric so it's it's just incredible to watch I mean there's just never been anything like this and I'm not really sure what more you can say than that
0: yeah I think you you, there's not enough that you can say about no what Matt Blake has done for this team and look I don't I think it's hard for us to disentangle like how much of it is Matt Blake how much of it is health how much of it is experience but it can't be a coincidence that You know, guys are throwing similar pitches, guys are developing in similar ways, especially like unknown bullpen guys like Clay Holmes or even known bullpen guys like Jonathan Loisega, who then become the best uh, relief arms in the league. Uh, It's hard to say that it's just a coincidence that that coincides exactly with uh, with Matt Blake. Um, The Yankees upcoming schedule is not easy. Uh, And I know that a lot has been made about the Yankees schedule. Um, But they play three against Tampa, three in Toronto, three in Tampa, four against Houston, three against Oakland, which will hopefully be a reprieve, and then one at Houston. So, of their next, what is that, 13, 17 games... Uh, 14 of them are against the Rays, Jays, or Astros. And that is going to be a tough stretch. Like, the the pitchers who the Yankees are slated to face in their next few games are Corey Kluber, who I maintain they should beat, Shane McClanahan, who's been very good, Drew Rasmussen, Ross Stripling, Alec Manoa, Yusei Kikuchi, and then McClanahan and Rasmussen again. Um, and I believe the Astros have Valdez and then Shane Boz and then Fram- Framber Valdez. So like, this is, this is going to be tough. The Yankees are going to be facing good offenses. They're going to be facing good pitchers. Um, not a ton of these games are at home. Like they'll play three at home, then six on the road, then the four at home against Houston. Like what does success look like let's say prior to that Oakland series so three against Tampa three against Toronto three more or three against Tampa three at Toronto three more at Tampa and then four at home against Houston that's a 13 game stretch like if we come out of that and the Yankees have gone seven and six is that acceptable because you know More of the games are at home? Do you want them to go eight and five? Like, what, how do you measure success now that they're going to be playing these teams that are good, teams that they've historically struggled with, uh, pitchers that they have been great against? Like, I I know this team is phenomenal and that they can afford a slide and they'll maintain a strong position in the division, but like, do you just want to play a little bit better than 500 against these teams? Like, I don't even know how to assess this stretch that's coming up.
1: Yeah, it is tough because, you know, they're the standard that they have set is probably not going to be maintained over these games. I mean, I think as long as you don't get swept in any series, then that is fine with me. Getting swept or I guess in the four-game series if you lose 3 of 4, but you just don't want to give up a ton of ground. I mean, I think even losing 2 of 3, you're basically just you're you're losing a game or two off um off the lead. And at this point, all the pressure is on Tampa and Toronto to catch you. I mean, the Yankees have no pressure right now. That could change, but right now they have absolutely no pressure. That should help them, you know, in theory. Um I think personally though, I I would like to see this team rise to the moment. Um I'm, I'm saying that as if they haven't done that already, but I, you know, we've talked about the Yankees showing up in big games and this year has just been different than last year where they weren't doing that. And this year they've played well and important moments. And I would just like to see a little more of that. I mean, they could really just put this race away. If they come out of this stretch and they are leading the American League East by double digit games over Tampa and Toronto, I think it's all but over because that's such a big gap for any team to close. And, you you know, they're going to have multiple teams fighting with each other with Boston in the mix, which is, you know, all these Red Sox fans don't understand is that even though you may think that you are only X amount of games back of the Yankees. You have two teams in front of you that are also very good. So the way I see it, as long as you have those teams fighting back and forth with each other, you know, you're know, you pretty much set to just cruise to the American League East title. This is the week where you can just solidify that race for second and put yourself above all of the others. If you get out of the stretch and you're leading by you know, four or five games, um, like worst case scenario— then you're back in the pack. I mean, I think that's what the Yankees have to see is in front of them. This They can make their summer so much easier for themselves if they can just win a few of these series, um, just don't give up a ton of ground, uh, especially the Tampa and Toronto series, uh, even though Houston is the only no- good team outside of the American League East at this point. I think the Tampa and Toronto series, uh, especially for Tampa, because six games, I mean, that's about a third of the head-to-head games the Yankees and Tampa will play over the or over the next week. So if you can just get through that and you can keep them all at bay and push them back even further, I mean, that's, you know, no, you never say it ain't over till it's over, but I really don't think that, you know, there's much hope for any other teams if the Yankees come out of this are leading like every other team by, you know, 11 games, 12 games and that's not crazy. I mean, it's nine right now, so that's not that crazy.
0: Yeah, you uh, you said some things there that I think are a little premature. You know, there are still over 100 games left to play. I don't want to say that a good stretch here guarantees that uh, the Yankees, you know, win the division. They have, um, you know, another stretch in August where they play three games in Boston and then host six games or seven games, three against Tampa and then four against Toronto. So, you know, the Yankees are going to continue to see good teams throughout the year. But you're right. They're knocking out a lot of their divisional games early while they're playing very well. And they have an opportunity not to step on throats, but to put some additional distance between themselves and their division rivals. And they would be wise to capitalize on it. And, you know, it's going to entail... Uh, this offense succeeding against pitchers and in places where this offense doesn't normally succeed. They, you know, this team does not have a history of being great at Rogers Center or Tropicana recently. Uh, it's going to entail, hopefully, a good series against Houston to, um, you know, create some space in the best record in the AL uh, area. But, um, yeah, it is It is definitely an opportunity to make a statement, uh, a stretch like 9-4 and four or even, you know, just if we consider the the three series against the division rivals, if the Yankees were to go six and three, you know, go two and one in every series or, you know, sweep the series at home and lose one of the series on the road, like, that would be massive. Um, and I, I completely agree that the only thing that should be on their mind is putting the most distance between themselves and other teams as fast as possible, creating some space, uh to do the luxuries of a good team late in the baseball season. You know, let's, let's get, you know, Davey Garcia and whoever, you know, Domingo Herman, Clark Schmidt, if he's not established as a high leverage reliever by then, Luis Medina, whoever else, let's get those guys some spot starts in August and September. Let's, um, you know, add a six guy to the rotation at the deadline, uh, just because there's a comfortable lead and you want to limit the workload of some guys. Like, Let's do the things now in the first half that it would take to be able to enjoy some of those luxuries later on in the year. I, I think that's exactly the the point of view to take. Um, I would I would take five and four in nine games against Tampa and Toronto um, because at that point you can't really have lost any ground. Um, I would really, really love six and three or better. I think that would be a huge statement out of this team. and you know what? we'll check in in the middle of that stretch uh, at the be- at the beginning of next week and we'll see how the Yankees are doing. Um, Whipple, we've kind of covered a lot. This team is great. They give us a lot a lot of very positive things to talk about. Is there any player, any game, any moment, any talking point that we've missed up to here?
1: Yeah, I think we got to talk about. Well, we, we could talk about Matt Carpenter being just an absolute god. But, you know, the WBA Mason man come to life. Um, I think, you know, as we said, he is going to be that random dude who shows up and just does really well and makes you, you know, remember in 10 years that he was a key contributor to the 2022 Yankees. But I want to talk about Manny Banuelos because he got his first major league save today, and it's just been so awesome to see him pitch period much less pitch for the Yankees much less pitch well I mean he is he's gotten off to a decent start in mop-up time but I mean this is a guy as we've said and as many if not all Yankees fans know I mean with Dallin Batances was and Andrew Brackman was part of the you know the heralded uh, Killer Bees pitching trio in the early 2010s and all of those guys went off the rails for different reasons Um, Batances really having the best comeback as a reliever, but nobody ever panned out as a starter. And he just kind of, he stalled in the minors and what ended up being um, part of a trade for, I think it was Chase and Shreve. um, He was in the Chase and Shreve trade, or he might've been the guy who was traded for Chase and Shreve in 2015. So kind of a fall from grace to get traded for a, a reliever, you know, a good reliever, but not, you know, really living up to his potential as a top flight starter. And he never just caught on in the majors with the Braves. Um, I think he pitched for them in 2015, but he didn't pitch that well or for that long. And then he resurfaced in 2019 for the White, with the White Sox for a little bit. Again, pitched pretty terribly. So just bouncing around the minors. And when he came back this year in spring, he pitched really well. And he didn't make the team, but you know, I think everyone knew he was on the radar as a guy to get called up. And seeing him come up and pitch four innings so far four innings of zero, uh, zero 0.00 era I know he gave up some inherited runs the other day but just having you know just pitching at all I mean I don't I think this is a scenario where this kind of reminds me of like Severino last fall where yeah it's not about numbers it's just about seeing this guy come back or come for the first time onto a major league mound for the Yankees and just you know feeling like I can't even imagine how it feels for him for, for us. It feels just weird. Cause it was like one of the first real prospects along with like Jesus Montero that we latched onto and mm-hmm. to see him now pitch for the Yankees is, is awesome. I mean, it's just one of the best stories of the season, whatever his role is. I'm glad that he's gotten this chance to perform. Um, I don't really know what the future holds for him because there are guys, as you alluded to, who are coming back eventually. So he might not be on this team till the end, but At this point i mean i think he's you know he's a back end of the bullpen mop up guy maybe works into a little bit more high leverage but that's just okay because it beats the alternative of bouncing around the minor leagues for 10 years just an awesome awesome story
0: yeah i think you know i couldn't have said it any better manny banuelos was such a heralded prospect And it's a shame that he didn't pan out in the way that we expected him to, but um, it's really cool that this is the trajectory that his career has taken and that he's ended up back in New York contributing to a team that is, as we've been discussing this whole time, you know, historically very, very good. So Whipple, um, confidence. You know, I think you were at a nine and a half after an undefeated week last week. The Yankees, as you said, got worse this week. They did lose a game. Um, where are you confidence wise with this team?
1: I'm, one hand, I'm like, should I just go back to a 10? Because like, why not? Like, what is preventing me from doing that? <laughs> um, I'm going to stay at a nine and a half because I think, you know, it, at this point, the season is not coming down to every game. I mean, no stretch is going to make or break the Yankee season unless they have like a 14-game losing streak like the Angels did. But, you know, this is a big week for them. I mean, it's a big test. Um, it's not one that they have to pass. It's not even one they have to, you know, they can, they could push 500, as you said, 5-4, and 4-5, four, four and five, they'd be fine. i just love to see them really push back these two division rivals that have been such a thorn in their side for the last few years. Um, that's a little bit of confidence that I would, you know, I'm, I'm going to reserve a little bit just so I can go back to that 10 if possible. Not that I wouldn't be confident if they didn't win those games, but, you know, the last few weeks have been mediocre teams. I mean, Anaheim, Detroit, Chicago, uh, even Minnesota, you know, I know they're leading their division, but let's be real. They're not... But they're leading a bad division. It's the AL Central. Um, So, you know, this is... They've taken care of business. That's what the Yankees are supposed to do. That's what this team needs to do. But now these are going to be important games and I'm going to stay at a 9.5 because I just want to see how they respond not when the pressure's on to win but when they're in this position of really just they can put their you know step on the throats of their opponents we haven't seen a Yankees team been in a position to do that in a while so I'm just interested to see how they respond I think it's it's just another test there are going to be more tests for this team that's the one in front of them right now and i you know, would like to see how they respond to that.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's, it's definitely important to reserve some upward movement because, like, if, if the Yankees come out of this, you know, we'll have seen them play the first two series against Tampa and Toronto by the time we make another podcast. Like, it it really feels like you need to give them somewhere to go if that happens. So I, I will go at a 9.5. Um, I'm really impressed with what I've seen from this team. Uh, I don't worry a ton about like the quality of competition thing. I think that it's very well documented that the Yankees are beating uh, all kinds of teams, um, and I expect that they will continue to do so. They've played... Adequately against the Rays so far this year, especially when you consider the state their roster was in the last time they played them, they've played very well against Toronto. Um, You know, the Angels went on a 14-game losing streak, sure, but have a ton of very good players. Um, The Twins gave the Yankees everything they could handle. That lineup is phenomenal, and they have a few guys who can pitch. Um, So I'm not really buying into the quality of competition things so much, but We need to see the Yankees, or I'd like to see the Yankees. I can't say we need anything from a team that's playing this well. I'd like to see the Yankees play well against division rivals in the coming week and give me a chance to move them up to a 10 uh, from the 9.5 that I'm at now. I, 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 I can't even remember a time when I felt this good about a baseball team, though, about the Yankees, because... Like, can you, I'm, I'm trying to remember 2019, like I was pretty confident that the Yankees were going to win the division and they won it pretty handily, but like it, it, it just never felt like, oh, they, they're going to lose a game. Oh, that that's fine. I'm not worried. Or, oh, they're, you know, they, they lost a series. They got swept like, oh, no big deal. I feel like I can just tolerate so much from this team, which is really cool. Do you ever remember feeling this way?
1: I think the only time, because I think 2019 was, you know, every time they won, it was like the new guy contributed. Like, what a miracle. Mm -hmm. I think the only time I felt this way in recent memory was game one, after game one of the 2019 ALCS, because that was like the moment where I was like, they're winning this. And it was, you know, they swept the Twins. They beat Granky in game one. And, you know, you could even take it to, you know, Judge hitting the home run off Verlander in game two. But just, I'm talking about just post game one that next day, I was like, this team can do anything. And I didn't feel that way. I mean, 2017, 2018, I just never felt that way. So, yeah, one game. I mean, I feel like now we're feeling that way for whole weeks at a time. It's just it's different. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's June, so we will see.
0: There's a lot of baseball left to play, but we're feeling I think justifiably very good about the way this team has played baseball. Uh so, look, high confidence out of both of us. Whipple, any parting shots?
1: Yeah, I think you got to shout out our advanced scouting trip uh, to Nationals Park to see uh, Josh Bell, Nelson Cruz, and Juan Soto hit back-to-back-to-back home runs. That was a pretty cool non-Yankees moment that we were both in attendance for. So if one of those guys is on the Yankees this summer, we can say, you know, we provided the scouting report to uh, Cashman. We were there first. Uh, Boots on the ground. Um, also
0: shout out brewers second baseman mark matthias who hit his first career home run with us in attendance
1: yeah so i will be at uh the middle game of this yankees race series cortez and McClanahan, um an excellent pitching matchup i'm excited to be there and i i'm excited to be in the stadium because i've heard the atmosphere is just great right now so just looking forward to that
0: you better not be a curse well whipple it's been a pleasure Uh, It's been a pleasure to watch the Yankees this year, certainly. Um, I'm glad we were able to take in some baseball this weekend in person. Um, And I'm just so excited to see what this week holds for this team because I cannot believe how well they're playing. I'm consistently amazed. And as you said, they're playing at times less against the other teams on the field and more against the great teams of history, which is pretty cool. And I can only hope that continues for another, I don't know, let's call it... They got two more to get to 62, then 100 more. That's 102. Then they would need to win 11 games. Let's call it another 113 games. Why not? Go Yankees. Works for me. Uh, and, you know, so as always, people can follow us. Uh, they can keep up with us at YankeesFiles.com. They can follow us on Twitter. We are at Yankees Files. And they can, of course, follow our podcast anywhere they get podcasts. They can rate, review, subscribe. Uh, we were recently called Two Base Dudes Who Know Ball. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know what could be a better compliment than that. But, you know, it's been a great week. Hopefully we're in for another one and we'll be back same time, same place. Until then, let's go Yankees.